joke. Having fun. And welcome to Real Estate Chat. It is August 29th, 10 a.m. in the morning. Jeff Duffy and I are going to have a wonderful conversation. We'd love you to join us in. Come and ask your questions. And we are live. Good morning. Man, good morning. Hey, we can all learn from each other. And Jeff and I believe that as we share information with you, you'll share information back and that can be helpful. This is a live chat. It is interactive. If you have questions, please put a cue in front of your question so that we can get it on the screen and we'll answer it or discuss it, as well as if you'd like to come on with us, let us know. We'll be able to work that through. But I want to start us off with some really key data points that have happened over the last three weeks. The first one is, of course, three weeks ago this past Monday, Moody's downgraded 10 small and medium-sized banks in their rating. Their fiscal risk, it's eroding. The profitability is going. And they're also monitoring several mid-sized and larger banks for possible downgrading in the very near future. Now, why is that important to you? Well, I want to take you to the next data point and let you know why that's important. Three weeks ago, Tomorrow, the first time ever, the in, on August 9th, the American credit card debt surpassed $1 trillion. Now, what does that mean? People are living off of credit cards. Cost of living has gone up. Spending has not stopped. And with the downgrade of the banks, guess what? The good credit card holders are paying interest at 15% are now paying 21%. The mid side, the mid or poorer ones that are paying 24, 25 are now in the 30s, possibly. This is a big concern as one trillion because four hundred and fifty five billion dollars of that credit card debt happened in the last three months. What does that mean? Well, we could easily be in two trillion dollars by Christmas, Jeff. I mean, if, if spending goes and we continue to go down this road and not realize it. It's amazing how people pay minimums all the time. And they never get caught up, especially with interest rates going up in that realm. My goodness, what do you see? I, I see a crash, a recession, not just a recession, just economically, but an impact to a total depression here potentially happening. What are your thoughts? Well, the we are just, I, I'm, I'm going to say the we, the proverbial we are tired of everything costing more, but we're making less. Now, mm -hmm. I don't mean to say that as an excuse. I don't mean to say that as a cop out or a way of bailing out bad decision making. <laughs> to do that because that's there. But when the cost of living and everything within inflation continues to when it goes up, but yet our income does not match that rate by any stretch of the imagination. And we've talked about this for a decade almost, but it's really coming to, it's really, the buildup is there as far as it's coming to a head. That's the word I was looking coming for. Coming to a head. I agree. Uh, and it's just, it, it's, 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 it's a pinprick. It's just going to set it off. It feels like. It is a time bomb and I, I see some things, but I want to share one other data point happened two weeks ago that I, I want to make sure people on here feel, hey, if you're a part of the real estate market, you should feel excited. Now, you know a gentleman by the name of Warren Buffett, right? Heard of him. Heard of him. 
probably a pretty good economist, probably a pretty good financial guy. I mean, he's worth $32 billion. Well, two weeks ago, Warren made a bet. He made an $814 million bet. He invested into three builders, DR Horton, Lennar, and NVR. Now, I don't know what he knows, but I got to believe he knows something in the real estate world that's going to be changing. Why would you take almost a billion dollars and dump it into the real estate and builders market if you didn't feel like builders are going to evidently increase their volume, but also rates are going to come down? Is that what you sense? I mean, because that's how I read that. That, that it, he it feels, totally makes sense. Why would someone with that knowledge and that's his skill set? He's proven he knows what he's doing. I think so. Oh yeah. I think he's. I think he's proven with his track record. So um, no, I. You pay attention to those who who know what they're doing, and, and that makes sense to to what you're saying. Because aren't we just in DFW alone still somewhere around twenty five thousand? lots short of what the home builders are needing right now is oh, yeah. in that number and that could be way off but i know it's a big number it's a big number builders have been slowing down because buyers i guess have convinced themselves i'm not going to pay this higher interest rate well guess what i want to let you in on a little secret ever since 1942 we've been tracking interest rates and guess what the average interest rate since 1942 to 2023, if you average every interest rate out there given, guess what the average interest rate is? What's that? 7.75. Oh, wow. 7.75. So we still are in good interest rates comparatively to the historical track record of real estate. It's unfortunate that we've had the historical lows in the most recent years, two and a half to three percent. And people, well, I want to get back to that. Well, guess what? It ain't going to happen. It's not. I mean, as long as you want to wait, then your waiting is forever. Uh, it's just not going to go there. But I think with all these data points, with what Warren Buffett did two weeks ago, he's betting on the real estate market. So here I want to share something with you and our audience, those that are listening. So give me a moment. We're still learning this new process, this new focus, but I want to share this to show you what the real estate market is a win. 90%. 90% win rate. If you have somebody that's going to stay seven to 10 years in a home at minimum, there is not a single decision, no matter what interest rate you're at, that you're not going to win. Since 1942, look at that, all green. Only seven years have we had negative growth in the real estate. And even during those decades, we end up positive. So if you're a realtor, you should be very happy. This is exciting. You've got one of the strongest minds financially, economically betting on our industry. You've got track record of a 90% win rate across the board. We should be convincing and letting people understand that real estate's a great bet and that it's going to grow in equity for all of those that are homeowners. Those that are not homeowners, you're not investing, you're not gonna get the return in the stock market or the mutual funds or anything else or CDs 
real estate is a win here. I mean, look at that. Even the worst, 2000, we still at a decade, 66% growth. To me, this is an unbelievable data point that we all should be excited about and we should be aware of. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Um, it's funny. Even look through, look at the track record through the 80s. As horrible as everyone just remembers that, it you know it took a first couple of 1991 to pull out of it, to, yep. to pull out of that dive that it was in, but it, it, it's still total green. Um, we're just, we're, we're still, we continue to be in the best market there is, unless somebody can show me otherwise. Blair, and you may be able to do that. I may be way off, but we're just, where we sit, there's going to be, there's going to be continued growth. The at the same time you were talking about, you know, people thinking, oh, I want to wait till I can get a three and a half percent. No, the decision you're going to be making now, I think, is what I'm understanding with the homeowners is you're deciding, do you want that game room or do you want that third or fourth bedroom? Yeah. <laughs> you know, with your rate, that that's what's happening with de decision making with everybody that I speak with, that I talk with. So, um, you know. But, there is somebody that I really respect that I grew up watching hockey and it's, he's the great one. And he said it great about other players. He says, hockey players, those that skate where the puck is, but I skate where the puck's going to be. Well, if I take that same thought process and look at it, I want to be where the market's going to be. I don't want to be where the market is today. I'm not worried about today. I'm worried about where it is in the future. And what I see in the future, if rates get better, and I'm going to stop sharing this, if rates get better, what's going to happen? That mad glut of people that have been waiting that are pre-approved, you're going to be in a bidding war. You're going to have uh, homes that are available are going to get five, six, ten offers and you're going to be right back in a situation of where, okay, how much over asking do I offer? What's the value? We should be looking at it right now where there's limits and lower competition as the opportunity to say invest now because seven to 10 years, I'm still going to be making money on that same investment that's outweighing my profitability on waiting because there is a cost of waiting. That's true very large cost of waiting, but then there's also a cost of investment. And as if the market's going to continue to go, have we seen a downturn in all your title work, everything? Have we seen any downturn in home prices? Sellers are still holding the ground. They, they saw those numbers that were when people were in a bidding war over the last couple of years. And at, at the moment they're holding their ground, I've not, I've not noticed any and no one has told me that they're experiencing you said a downturn in price, right? Yeah, yeah. downturn in price. Okay. And and you don't think builders are going to stop building if they can't make a profit. They're going to be making a profit. In fact, they're going to slow roll it because they know there are people out there moving to Texas. Let's go back on that, Texas. I, just on the veteran side of the house, we average 125,000 families in the last three years, over 100,000 in the last seven years moving to texas so it is a place to come to i have seen more connecticut california plates oregon illinois washington plates around the metroplex driving that maybe just haven't changed their tags yet but we have people moving here so it's not going to stop the competition and builders know that 
That's true. And I think with where we see pricing, what happens in a recession? Mortgage rates go down. And just recently, Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, talking about, well, we're still going to be strong on inflation. We still have to fight it. We still have to raise. Well, some of them are saying, no, we don't need to. We just need to wait for the, the numbers to catch up. Let it catch up. That's exactly right. And the jobs number, they're seeing a strong jobs number. But what they don't understand is that they've seen people lose a job. Well, guess what? They go get two more jobs to replace that one job. And all of a sudden, they're counting that twice. And, and it's like people are hustling. They're working hard. They're available. But we've got to let these numbers come down. We also have to realize in 2024 what's happening. Something very critical to our country is happening. And I just think this is my own thought process. I don't put this at anyone else's feet. But if you're having a presidential election in 2024 and one side has the benefit, wouldn't it be really nice to be able to say our fiscal policy is working? Because look at mortgage interest rates are coming down. Mm-hmm. So have they been holding them manufactured high so that they can bring them down in late Q4 or early Q1 of 2024 to be able to show, hey, our fiscal policy is working? I mean, that would be quite an awareness. Which is possible, which is possibly when we're actually going to see the rates tick down a little bit, right? Yep. Then they kind of fit right in the same Right yep. in the same scale, right yep. in the same guidelines of everything Everything's you just said. Those, they're like, interesting. They're running neck and neck and what we're hearing, what we're being told. I we're just hadn't heard anybody parallel it to the presidential election. Oh. But the bottom line of it is they, that, that's everything they're talking about. Late Q4, December to early Q1, January. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just really interesting to me that builders know this. Builders builders are aware that the value of their homes are going up every quarter, every month they can delay on selling one. That's another five to $10,000 in their pocket for the same home, same everything. They don't have to change. So right now, if I can be an encouragement to any realtor out there, and again, you can find us at welcomehomeradio.net on Facebook live. We're there. Be sure to ask your, if you have a question, pop it in, put a cue in front of it so that we know it's a question. But the exciting thing is that our market is still growing. Um, Equity growth last year across every county in the state of Texas is 4.8. But right here in North Texas, we're averaging over six plus. Wow. So how why am i concerned about a six and a half percent interest rate if my home growth is is growing and you know what net worth is right you understand what net worth net worth is hey all my debt all my possessions valued and then what's the difference is my net worth well 75 percent of net worth is made up of real estate and the majority of people's holdings net worth value it's real estate. I want to make sure everybody heard that, Blair. Say that number again. 75% of net worth, whatever your net worth is, is made up of real estate. It's made up of your homestead, uh, made up of any investment properties. And how much you paid it off or you don't have is an evaluation. So if you live debt-free and you have a home, Seven, I bet you 75% of your net worth is made up of your home. I hope it's not. But 
for the majority of the people in America, that is what their net worth is made of. And if you're not in the real estate market, guess what? You're missing out. You're paying someone else's mortgage because you're renting, whether it's an apartment or a home or a townhome, you're renting that and paying someone else's mortgage. That's why we can say it with confidence. Your net worth, 75% of it's made up of real estate. And if anybody's interested, Blair, and you're very well aware, you have the ability to uh, shoot us a shoot us a message to we can run those numbers for you. If you say, sure. hey, here's what my rent is, here's what I'd like my mortgage to be. Uh, we can hit those numbers and, and let you see the percentages and the difference between when you're renting and paying somebody else's mortgage and when you're building your own wealth and when you're creating your own uh, equity in your property. Sure. I also want to share this. It was it's interesting. We were talking about waiting. We're talking about cost of. Here's another slide that we've created that just kind of gives an estimate of, hey, waiting to buy. What's it cost? If we're waiting six months, the amortization and plus the appreciation, you're losing about 13000 for every six months. Wait, did I just lead lead you straight into that? I didn't know you were going to this yeah, slide. You did. That's teamwork right there. Yeah, you did. I had no idea you were added to this slide. I, I, I set that on the T for you, man. I set that up. <laughs> but waiting one year is eighteen thousand. I mean, waiting two years, almost sixty thousand dollars. You're losing opportunity if you're not pursuing this op this opportunity of real estate investment whether it's your primary property or an investment. This is where growth and net worth can be impacted greatly. So I wanted to share this, a cost of waiting. Yes, there is a cost of doing it, down payment or closing cost, all of those things, but those things can be worked through. This is pure loss the longer you wait. So if you're waiting for those interest rates to go down, you're waiting for the next wonderful opportunity Guess what? There's a bunch of people doing the same thing and you're going to run across competition. You're probably going to have to pay over asking. Uh, you might have to do certain things that you may or may not be aware of. I want to be able to help you. Jeff wants to be able to help you understand what what that is. And so there is a cost to waiting. I just wanted to kind of share that and give you an idea. So. And good to you, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in the title world? I mean, you know, a lot of people don't understand about title, title insurance. They hear about the title guy. You go to your office to close sometimes. And, and what I love about Jeff is, you know what? You don't have to go and close on your mortgage at the title office. He'll close you right there in front of your own new house. If you want, you just got to let him know. That's exactly right. <laughs> Communication is the key, isn't it? There you go. There you go. You know, our, um, our and we visited on this uh, recently, you and I, Blair, that our, our biggest challenges in the title world today is, is wire fraud. Uh, and that's just making sure that everyone understands why we take certain measures and certain steps to protect your money. <laughs> you know, isn't that funny when you have to say, hey, I'm trying to protect your money. Well, well, tell people why, why is that? Why is wire fraud an issue in, you know, I'm, I'm buying my home. Uh, I'm just doing my things. What, what, what does wire fraud, how does it come into play in my transaction? You can have someone located in any part of the world and 
the I'll give you the long story of it. It starts literally with someone combing social media. And very frequently they see you, they see what you're doing. And this is primarily for someone in the real estate industry, not as a buyer or seller per se, because they're only, you know, doing so many transactions in their lifetime. But they're watching someone in the real estate industry, typically an agent or a loan officer or someone, just any of us, that's even us. But when they see an email and they see that the transaction has started, Blair and his team has started setting up the mortgage, getting everything done, the contracts underway. They're just lying in the grass like a snake and they're just waiting. Uh, and what they're waiting for is when we get to a process in, clo in the closing process, we reach a step, we say, Mr. Buyer, Mr. Blair Thomas, Mr. Buyer, you're going to send us $130,000 to help the purchase of your home. Bam. And it happens in two different instances. One, I send you, Mr. Thomas, if I send it through normal email, they grab it. They make changes, very slight changes to that PDF that is wiring instructions. And they tell you, uh, here's our wiring instructions, Mr. Thomas, or before you, when you as a seller, now I'm going to jump to the other side. You as a seller, you just made $550,000 on the sale of your property. Where am I? Blair, I need you to tell me where to send this money. And they jump in and send a fake email to me looking like it's from you. And they're good. I mean, they look legit. Yeah. So uh, the biggest aspect from the title side in the process right now, don't get annoyed when someone sends you a secure email just because you have to take a couple of extra steps to get that email and that information and keep it secure. Don't, hey. don't be annoyed by that. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, it is. It's a necessary um, evil. It is because, it, you know, like you said, you are protecting them. You are protecting what uh, they value, especially if a seller is receiving a large payoff on a debt-free home. Uh, sure would hate to have that wire transfer go somewhere else than where you want it to go. Uh, the litigation started for a perfect example, Blair. This started, so I may have already told you about it. Uh, this was a broker receiving the commission on a commercial deal. And, you know, those deals can take a year to close. $104,000 lost. That was his commissions. So when you banking, you're setting, you're thinking you've got everything done and a title company does not pay attention to what they're doing. Hundred four grand gone. So wow. that's, that's the reality of what's really taking place. And I think, I want to say somewhere in the, this last year, there's been over um, 8 million attempts at wire fraud. As far as those are the ones we caught, not just, we, just, just the, the ones dealing with you. Those are the ones that where somebody went, Oh, wait a minute. This doesn't look right. <laughs> wow. So we realized. So anyway, that's really our biggest challenges right now. As, as far as moving forward, as far as what we do in the title industry, otherwise title insurance is pretty, pretty boring in general. <laughs> well, I don't think it's boring because I mean, my goodness, uh, if, if people, you know, you have cash deals, you have certain things, but you still, when you buy in a property, you want to know that nobody else is going to come back and say, wait a minute, you didn't have authorization to buy that. That's exactly right. You guys go back in history. I mean, Geronimo may have owned that property and he's, is his uh, family's going to come back and take it away from you, I guess. I mean, okay. you check it all out, right? It can it can happen. It can go back to sovereignty from when the first deed was filed. The title company can search and find that info out. Yes. So you do a very large piece of work, but 
it's unappreciated, I think, in our industry because they don't uh, they they don't understand it. Uh, I know I did not for a long time. Uh, but what the value is that you're buying something that you know it's going to be yours in paying this person, and you're buying it from the person that actually owns it. You know how many straw buyers, how many different opportunities out there for fraud in our industry happens when somebody's selling a home that they don't every you know, day. Own. Now, every day. Now, I know you and I have chatted about this, but I still want to talk about it because I just I find it amazing. Is title lock really a necessity? I mean, come on. I mean, does it does title fraud happen that much? Uh, I let me put it to you this way and being nice and not pointing fingers or being derogative. How about that? Okay. I do not know what this is my 30th year in the industry. I do not know one person in the title industry who has title lock. <laughs> that's, that's, the way, that's the way I can say it. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be negative. I don't want to be, <laughs> I do not particularly subscribe uh, to those to those businesses. And I don't know anyone who does. If somebody just feels the need for that, that comfort and safety and security for that hundred bucks a year, by all means, that's, that's, that's your decision. That's your prerogative. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. I'm, I'm, I'm mystified by it, but it's just like credit, uh, your credit lock or your, what do they call it? They, mm -hmm. I don't know what it's called, but I forgot the name of it, but they, they monitor your credit. I'm like, I don't want to know after the fact that that's happening. I want it stopped before. Right. And, and guess what? I'm going to tell you a free, simple way to do your credit. Okay. And it's free. Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax all give you the ability to go in and lock your credit. No one can pull your credit, not even a new employer, not even a car salesman, not anybody without you unlocking it. And so if you lock it, guess what? Nothing can happen about your credit. And so it's free. It's simple. But you do you do have to take those extra steps. And but they're really easy. Just don't lose the pin or the access so you can unlock them later. But uh just be aware of that, that that you can lock your credit just as easily as anyone else. Uh, you don't need to pay somebody to monitor it for you. So, hey, there is a something. I, I, I was in a waiting room and I just didn't get to finish the article. Uh, but the magazine was talking about for decades, jumbo loans have been the preferred loan for lenders. Why? You've got somebody that's making good money. They've got a good interest rate. So lenders and, and now now stop me at any point in time. I'm going through. I was reading an article and uh, so they prefer jumbo loans. But the article then said, well, that's not the case anymore because no one is that secured as far as tell me. Does that, I didn't get to read it all. So I know I'm kind of just coming at you, throwing something at you that. But they they, they spoke about how now. Jumbo loan. It said jumbo loans are not preferred, but a normal five hundred. You know what's normal nowadays here in our yeah, world. Yeah, uh, very true. That's a great question. Um, I'm going to have to go back to our industry and and let people understand how it works. First off, as mortgage originators and lenders, 
every one of us sells our mortgage to a secondary market. Unless you're a hard money lender or you're non-QM and you're doing your own book of loans, then you write to those speculate those spec those those decisions um, those risk factors, but we write to generally and generically everybody writes to a book of secondary market purchasers whether it be the VA, FHA, uh, USDA. So we have guidelines, and and why the reason of the value is it also gives you the interest rate. Most lenders do not like loans under six digits. That means a, less than a hundred thousand. Okay, why? Well, if I, have a, if I have a million dollars and I want to invest it and I want to get a guaranteed return on it, I want to spread my risk out. But I don't want to spread my risk out to a bunch of barely making sixty, eighty thousand dollar purchases. I want to be above a hundred thousand. I want to have my million be spread across maybe two to four, five or six. And that spreads my risk out. So you're talking about a jumbo, a jumbo being higher, normally at least above 750 or in the millions, you're going to your risk is all in one basket. So you pay extra money in your interest rate for that use of that money. Okay. Just like that, Less than a hundred thousand, you're going to pay extra because they don't want to have to spread it out so much, right? With a little bit more. So the sweet spot is standard mortgage lending, seven sixty two five, I believe, if I or seven sixty five two, which I, I I forget it, but that's a that's a conventional mortgage. Our home prices right now are averaging between four fifty and five hundred thousand across the the country, so. Everybody likes to be able to get into that sweet spot. So that's the best interest rates. That's where investors say, hey, I'll work with more and more people if I can spread my million across two people and take that risk and nullify it. So, yes, supporting the major majority, supporting jumbo loans are very far and few between for the most part. There are certain areas, Highland Park, uh, the new Frisco Hall of Fame PGA area, all of that is, you know, you've got the larger areas, the Glen Eagles, Bent Tree, but most lenders want to see between for that million dollars, I want to see two to four loans in there. And that I want to, I'll maximize my dollars, minimize my risk. And that's why they want to see those sorts of things. They're primed to write into it. That makes sense. Right. You think that answered the question? I think so. Because I've never seen Jumbo work well um yeah two specific things those one those clients they are very pushy on what they want they're not writing to guidelines sometimes and two i've never seen referrals from a from a million dollar loan okay not one referral in my nine years in this industry have i seen a referral but have i seen it from that three hundred thousand who didn't think they could buy that home and boy, howdy, you know, they were happy. Friends, everybody's happy. You know, not that they anybody gets any different service. It's just those people are very high intensity, uh, re require a lot, uh, require certain things, and also sometimes can have a very uh, negative view of somebody helping them because 
they already have everything situated. Right. They think. Yeah, that's true. But I hope I answered that question. No, that did. No, you did. Now, you're with Fidelity, and Fidelity owns a bunch of different title groups, right? Yeah, sorry I've kicked my desk a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, Fidelity actually, as the largest underwriter in the country, owns several different brands. So, Can you uh, share? Yeah, Can you share uh, yeah, they own Chicago, they own Alamo, they own Old Lawyers. There's a portion of, don't anybody get me technically wrong on this, of Allegiance now? I'm not sure the, the percentage of that. And I think that has a, all everybody. I'm not positive. And then, of course, Fidelity themselves, like you. Correct, which I'm a direct operation. Yes. And you'll see some Fidelity operations that are fee offices. Um, so but now, and just so since I've said that now, I need to say a fee office, of course, is someone who um, most typically is an attorney. Attorneys with having their license, uh, they can open a, a which you see often, they can open a title operation and run a title operation. So they purchase their information from Fidelity, but they close and they, they pretty much stand on their own. They're a franchise. Awesome. So that's what that's what you see most of the time. Awesome. I just I, I, I you, you've said that a couple of times, but I wanted to make sure I understood those aspects of it. Their competition. <laughs> Man, and you also do no mistake about it. I'm friendly. <laughs> now, you, you, your company does commercial and residential. Yeah, I have a great. Our office has a big commercial team here, uh, as well as we have uh, at least two others here in just DFW. But we we close anywhere in the country because of the size that we are. We're able to close anywhere in the country, so it works out. Okay. It but, yeah, commercial's huge. Um, uh, as far as the amount of closings and things that we're our transactions we're handling. Now you might have some insight. Do you see a lot of these active living, senior living, act, active living developments going up? Uh, there's a bunch of those without a doubt. Or what I've seen, it's not a pure construction. They're converting either old apartment complex. You know what? You know what's have been happening in the last few years that uh, a lot of people really like for their for their you know, their elderly parents is there's people buying a home that will house four, you know, patients. I don't want to say patients for four people. And then it'll house a, an in care, a home health care person as well within that home. So there's a couple of places in Plano right now. It looks like your everyday home in the neighborhood, but it's just such a more quaint uh, environment and setup uh, that, that those are becoming very popular. It can be more comfortable for them. Yeah, yeah it's just more of your home. Uh, my home's already that way. My wife is homebodied and she's my caregiver. So she does sit in there and go, don't you have somewhere to go? Don't you have to leave right now? But, uh, well, I, I, can, did, I, did. I can understand that. <laughs> okay, wait a minute now. Come on. Uh, I want to share something also that just happened yesterday. Um, are you familiar with AmeriFirst Financial? Yes. Do you realize they just filed bankruptcy yesterday? No, I had not heard that. Filed bankruptcy protection in Delaware for a hundred million dollars hmm. uh, for, you know, I guess some some issues and/or credit going around, uh, plus a, a claims case against them for seventeen point nine million. So it's a pretty I, good I, operation, I, though, in general. I mean. 
are you seeing a lot of problems or loan officers? I, I'm getting a sense there's a lot of loan officers leaving the industry recently. Uh, that and uh, I've had another broker tell me seeing the same thing with uh, with different with agents. It's just a tougher it's a tougher go right now and different industries industries face it at different times, obviously. But uh, ours are going through that because so many people think and I, I should probably you should probably just shut me off here about this before I go off. On a no. <laughs> so many people think that what you do or somebody as far as a real estate agent is easy. Get your license, get a phone number, set your office up and the deals just come rolling in. You know, they, they don't people do, do not get our people get into the business and they don't see it as their you are owning a business. You are running a business. You better be ready to get up and get after it. So getting off my soapbox, that being said, I think that's why a lot of times you see a lot of people This we see this big rush of everyone getting their license. And then now we're seeing that level off for those who go, man, this is hard. I wonder. I wonder if we can get Tom over at Champion School of Real Estate real give us a, a that you know increase, decrease, increase. <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure they have one. Somebody. I'm sure they tried. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to bring up was I, I saw on yesterday U.S. single family rent has gone up 3.3 percent year over year. That's a lot. 3.3 percent. And once. Am I wrong saying that's a lot? That's my first inclination when you said that. Well, I mean, I think it's a lot. I, I just, I mean, Chicago leads the nation year over year at 6.6. .6. But who wants to live in Chicago? I mean, you can't play golf there. <laughs> Only four or five months out of the year. Out of the year. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, they, got, they don't have their priorities right there. I mean, I just see that rent seems to be going up everywhere. And we know Texas has been successful. Uh, we are limited or su limited supply. So location, location, location. Um, it, it's, it's just interesting to me. I wonder how much more it will go up. No, we need it to, we need to think the other way. We need to slow down. <laughs> Well, I would agree, but I, I when are we going to admit that we're in a recession? It used to be two quarters of negative gross domestic product GDP were automatically in a recession. We've had three quarters in a row, and we're still not admitting to ourselves. So what yeah, is they want to act like and make everybody believe they're in control of it? I've never seen numbers being recalculated going back six months to give updated information on rates and and where we can't forecast very easily because they're changing literally before they for the the change the the reports they've gone back and changed their job reports six months ago that impact it now or so forth uh it's just it's very manipulative in a lot of ways in my opinion and i again i just think there's a purpose behind it but that's just that's just me um i you mean the purpose when you said you mean the purpose behind it when you mean the purpose behind it as far as what people are looking at as far as considering it or using the big r word that you just used 
uh, that no one wants to talk about. What <laughs> R word? Recession. <laughs> well, I, I think they're trying to avoid recession. I do want. I do think they want to show that they're in control. But I also think there is a long-term purpose here toward the election and delaying so that there's something big to talk about. Um, you know, right now you're hearing a lot of conversation about, hey, we're going back into a COVID lockdown. I, I'm right there with you. Don't. You, I, I remember how much you loved wearing masks. Which you barely did, if I recall. Yeah. <laughs> that was my point I was getting to. <laughs> I guess I could say, look, guys, if, if you're wearing a mask and you smell your own fart, then it's not working. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I, 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 I never understood. I talk to surgeons all the time because I've had my surgery and why they wear masks. And it was, it was to keep that area from their sneeze, from, utensils that are the tools that they use for surgery uh all of that it wasn't to keep things from coming in especially smells or microisms but i'm just i don't think it's not the government i grew up with it's not the government that i served as a as an armed forces officer it, it is not the the government that um that i see as favorable toward this u.s citizen um, we have open borders. I, I don't understand that. That's just my pretense. Why is that? The federal government's responsible for that, yet we have never closed the borders in the last three years. We have an election coming up, so why wouldn't they want to manipulate something in their favor? Now, I'm not trying to be a conspiracist. I'm just, I'm just trying to say over the last six months, we've seen nothing where it should be getting better rates We've been in a recession for a while, but they don't want to admit it and they don't want to let the rates go low. They've manipulated those rates to stay there. So uh, I, I will get off my, as you say, soapbox. But the bottom line is real estate still a winning solution. And as I look at it, why I'm in the industry is to help people realize goals, help them achieve that, whether it be through reverse mortgages, uh, or, or using their VA benefit or just succeeding in a goal for their family. I mean, again, is the American dream dead or do we still have the, the American dream being, hey, owning property in America is a part of that. Do you mean that dream I want to be a social influencer? Is that that dream? Oh, no, no. That one's dead. That one's oh, okay. only dead. Okay. Uh, I mean, it, it, it was dying when you when with you saying I wanted to be on the PGA tour. I mean, it was the same time. Fair enough. <laughs> and that, and, and that, and that also died with me, even though I had a better dream of going to be on the C senior PGA, you know, uh, Oh gosh, boy, we're, we're, we're drumming up some bad apples here. I'm telling you what, but Hey, final thing I'd like to share out there. And a lot of Texans don't know this. I hope you're aware of it. And that's why I bring it up. But August and September is rattlesnake birthing months. And if you're not aware of it, those little ones can be even more dangerous than a full grown rattlesnake. And they are found a lot of places. So if you're out, even in the suburbs, the country, 
be careful out there in this heat. They get underneath things. And then the minute you move that bucket, you've got not only mama, but maybe 12 to 18 babies and they can move very fast. So just be careful out there because, you know, rattlesnake roundup happens in October. So be aware. Knowledge is power. Um, but through 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 September, it's it's really a critical month. They travel together, they stay together, but they can be found in a lot of unique places in this heat, underneath things. Be careful here in Texas, okay? Well, that was some good advice. <laughs> hey, Jeff, I appreciate you. I've enjoyed this. Thank you very much, Blair. This is a lot of fun. Haven't seen any questions come across, but if you can, find us at welcomehomeradio.net. Ask your questions there. We're going to try to do this every two weeks. We'll be aware on Facebook. Keep us keep you aware out there. And we just want to thank you, Head Monkey Butt of Lunatic Digital, for making this all happen for us at Real Estate Chat. Thank you so much. Appreciate y'all. Have a great day.